0: If you guys are looking for a CPA or legal referral, shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com and I'll connect you with my guys who I use. We'll be hooking you guys up with a free introduction strategy session. And send a new newsletter. I'll be putting a lot of personal stuff on there too. I know a lot of you guys are interested in what I'm up to and things other than real estate. So if you're interested in that, go to simplepassivecashflow.com or shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Today, I've got another great guest, Jacob Ayers here. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Lane. How are you? Yeah, so Jacob is another young professional. And, you know, me personally, when I listen to these podcasts, I don't really get much from Listen to Uncle G, Grant Cardone podcast. As you were saying earlier, I mean it's kind of neat. It's funny and good entertainment value, but it's not very practical advice. Jacob is currently a young professional real estate investor, and he's also the host of the Real Estate Way and Wealth and Freedom podcast. You know, he graduated from Oklahoma State University with a degree in Fire Protection and Safety Engineering. Currently in Houston, Texas, where he is just chipping away at these rental properties kind of breaking his way into the smaller multi-families, which I think is, will bring a lot of guys a lot of uh, insight because you know, a lot of guys are just kind of chipping away at their portfolio and then you can kind of give them some little insights today, Jacob. First question we always like to ask our guests is how much simple passive cash flow are you making today and how are you doing it?
1: Hey, yeah, Lane. Well, uh, first off, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I think it's going to be really fun. So right out of the gates, I have, I'm closing on my 10th unit right now. And right now I'm earning about $2,300 in passive income per month. So yeah.
0: Of course it goes up and down, up and down all the time, right?
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah,
0: so slowly getting there, slowly getting there. How much are you uh, thinking that, you know, you might want to quit the day job? You got like a number in your head?
1: Yeah, I've always had this number and it's a little bit arbitrary and it's a number you hear a lot. Uh, but I really want $10,000 a month in passive cash flow before I'd feel comfortable quitting my earned income. So that's where, um, that's where my near-term target is. So
0: one, one question I usually ask people on those, um, these coaching calls that I do is, and I'll ask you too, Jacob, say you had $6,000 to $7,000 of passive cash flow today. How would your life be a little bit different? You know, you're well on your way to your 10 grand a month.
1: Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be a single bit different, Lane. And here's why I don't spend any of my passive cash flow that I earn right now in the near term. I'm snowballing that and buying more and more property. So I'm only living off of my earned income still. So to, if you gave me $6,000 of passive cash flow today, my life wouldn't change a single bit. I would just continue to save that and reinvest it.
0: All right, right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, the way I think about it is keep putting your foot down on that accelerator put the cruise control you hit that
1: exactly that
0: magic number so i'm in this i, I believe it man you'll get there <laughs> so you aren't always like this um doing this passive castle thing i call this the han solo question because if you watch star wars which i don't know why you wouldn't han solo and chewbacca were just low-life smugglers cruising the galaxy and so they met luke and leia and their life took a pivot let me describe a time in your life when you your life took a pivot too
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting question, Lane, because I think it happens uh, at different magnitudes and different times for different people. So like many of your audience members listening in lane, I was kind of born and raised with this blueprint to go to school, get a good education, get a good job, further that education in college study something different so that you can end up with a good job. Right. So that's how you and I kind of taken this path and became engineers. Well, I found that this blueprint only gets us to our mid 20s. So here I was with a good corporate engineering role and looking at like what was next in my life. I'd always had something to shoot for, something next, something to strive for, right? So here I was looking for that next step. And I kind of was looking around and realized it was, well, retirement in like the next 40 years, if you're lucky. That was kind of when I began to start looking for different alternatives and something else to do with my time. And I'd say that was kind of like this pivotal moment in my life where I thought, Okay, well, I can either put my nose to the grindstone, sock away money in my 401k and live a mediocre, comfortable life for the rest of my life, or start looking for different things to do. And that's kind of where I stumbled upon real estate investing, and it's led me to where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, so the listeners want to go and download the the book that I did, Simple Passive Cashflow Backslash Book. I identified a few things that happened in a bunch of people's lives that were kind of the change that happened or like the trigger that happened at work, like, um, you know, some people, they got laid off. Uh, one person got fired because of other people's doing. I think myself, um, as I kind of detailed there, I just had a really bad um, experience in working in construction engineering. Um, being the new guy, traveling all the time, it just kind of became a little bit too much. Do, do you remember what, like specifically what it was that one day you came home and you were just like, screw this, this sucks. Like,
1: Well, it wasn't anything so dramatic like that. There were no like impending sense of doom or layoff, but it's kind of a little bit of a funny story. So I'm sitting in my cube one day. I'm working on Excel spreadsheets like all engineers do, right? You put everything in Excel spreadsheet from your personal to professional life. It's just all in Excel. So here I am. I'm like, okay, I'm making a pretty good salary here. Let's just see. I had this term in my mind at the time and I was calling Lifetime earnings, kind of like a racehorse, if you will. So I was wondering, like, I wonder how much money I'll earn over my lifetime, and I'll make some assumptions. I'll start out with my salary now. Let's assume you know a four percent raise every year. Maybe in year five, you know, jump up ten or fifteen percent, you know, from yeah, the manager
0: level. Then maybe yeah,
1: right. Director. So so I've got this Excel spreadsheet built out, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, my lifetime earnings, if I work from now to I'm sixty-five, are going to be, I don't know, let's say it was going to be like three or four million or whatever it was. Well, I look at this number and I was just like, man, that's so disappointing. I'm going to work my whole life and only earn three or four million. Or I can't remember what the number was, but it was something along those lines. And I just thought, well, I've always thought that I would make a lot more money in my life than this. I've always thought I'd be much more successful. So this route's just not going to work for me. This, this path is just not going to fulfill what I need. So I went back to the drawing board and that was kind of where I started looking for things to grow my wealth potential through. So that was kind of my like aha turning moment. So not so dramatic. I wasn't laid off or, you know, had some kind of dramatic event, but that was kind of what triggered my head to like start thinking differently.
0: Then you went on the internet and you just blew up the heck <sighs> out of There's
1: it. There's a black hole from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: always frustrated by the numerous investing education programs out there who gouge their investors, charging them 5000 10000 Twenty-five, dollars even $40,000. I don't know about you but I thought it was completely wrong when they tricked people actually had them call their credit card providers to get a credit line increase to pay for the program. Many of these people could not afford these expensive coaching options and should have used it as a down payment for their first investment. If someone only had 20 grand, they should use that to buy a rental to get started. Let me make one thing clear, our mastermind is not for you if you're broke. It's a cost-effective way to mitigate mistakes when building your portfolio. People in this group are gonna be a pre-selected population of professionals and high net worth individuals. You'll be a good in company. That is after you apply and get in at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash journey. And yeah, if you're lonely and struggle to find motivated friends who wanna do more than sit at their W2 jobs, collecting a paycheck, and go home and watching Netflix all day because all they can afford is $8.99 a month on their digital entertainment budget, then this is a place for you too. simplepassacashflow.com backslash journey to learn more. So next question is the uh, worst life or business moment. What did you learn? What was the lesson learned? Maybe something clean, some advice here, not make the same mistake.
1: Well, you know, luckily I've not made too many mistakes in my short career so far, but I would say like the biggest hurdle I've had to come over or the biggest lesson learned is thinking small. You know, if you've got this small mindset that you're just going to sit at your cubicle and work for the next 40 years and put five or six or eight or 10% or whatever in your 401k and retire happy. I think that's probably a false dream that you're living. So I would say the biggest mistake I had was starting to fall into that trap and thinking too small, really. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe I
0: should start changing this question because the people that I'm kind of bringing on are more of the passive investor types. Um, Yeah not the house flipper, not the on- crazy entrepreneur. And I asked this question and and it's kind of very similar to when I answer it. I don't think you and I have really made that big of mistakes because we just don't take these big risks. Like we're not out there buying this 40% occupied house or, or um, you know, this $700,000 flip.
1: Yeah. Something I'd add to that lane is, you know, I think you and I are doing things with risk associated with them, but the way we hedge this risk is through education. And you and I both spend a lot of time, personal development, educating ourselves to resources like this podcast and others, reading books, consuming material. So I think that's a really good way to hedge risk is through education. And I know you're a big proponent of that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I also see the the dark side of that too. You know, guys, they'll listen to these podcasts Mm -hmm. at 2x speed. I've been coming to uh, coin this term called the real estate groupie or the uh the bp bro (laughs) guys they listen to this stuff all the time what's your take on like at what point do you just pull the trigger
1: oh man you're so right there lane and you've got some good terms coined there too the bp bro or the real estate groupie. what do you call them (laughs) i've i've got this little term i've kind of come up with and i call it the learn do ratio and it's kind of the same uh concept you're talking about lots of people just crush podcasts almost for a living, two times speed, listening to 10 different podcasts every day, reading books, going to meetups, going to you know networking events, all those things. Those are all good, but they never take action. And that action step is the most important. You can read all the books you want, listen to all the podcasts you want, go to all the resource, uh, all the real estate investing clubs you want to, but it doesn't make any difference if you don't act with that information. So yeah, I think you've got to really take action is where that rubber meets the road.
0: Right, right. And, you know, I'll borrow something from Corporate America, which is kind of the reason I still go. (laughs) Um, They actually got a lot of good techniques. They have this 70-20-10 rule, if you've ever heard of that. HR talks about it a lot. But 70% is um, doing it. 20% is learning from peers, kind of like what's happening here. And, you know, maybe that's, I guess that's kind of like podcast, because you're kind of in the conversation a little bit. Sure. And then 10% is just, Books and academics. So the 70-2010, if you kind of apply that to your learning, I mean, 70% is doing it, like you said. So, yeah, I think that's very true. Some guy probably paid like 300,000 bucks for that study to come up with that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure
1: <it's> <laughs> probably so.
0: Our government, right? So right. Next question here What is a two week experiment and a six month project you've been working on? I know the last time we talked was back in November, so a while ago. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what you've been working on and then what's up for the next six months?
1: Yeah, so a six-month experiment I've been working on is a meditation. So I'm kind of a high-strung guy. I always like to wake up, I go, go, go. So having to sit down and just take ten minutes and do absolutely nothing is pretty challenging for me. So I've been working on that, uh just trying to meditate every morning through the Headspace app. I find that really useful. It's just this free app or there's a paid version on your iPhone or Android. And uh it's a guided meditation uh course. So I really like that. And the other question was a two week project I'm working on. Is that it?
0: Yeah, I guess um like uh I'll add on to that um another good Headspace app um Space is a good one. It's like very, uh, you move from, you progress from each lesson to lesson. Another good one is Insight Timer. Uh, That's another good app on the Apple. Okay. I don't know if it's on Google, Android. I don't really care. I got Apple. (laughs) Apple. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> stick with the program but insight timer I might want to try that one out too
1: okay yeah cool yeah I'm not very good at meditating so I could use any of the help I get and uh, it's just the first one I came across was recommended but I really like it and it helps out I think it helps me kind of clear my head and start the day with like a fresh mindset so yeah it's been working really well and I'm gonna try to keep going with it
0: yeah, so in terms of investing what are you kind of looking at for the next uh, couple deals? What's your criteria that you're looking at?
1: You know, I invest for cash flow lane, like many people out there, especially young people. I invest in markets of Oklahoma and Texas for the audience members that are listening that are either in Texas, less likely in Oklahoma, but are familiar with those markets. And I'm in a small multifamily space right now. So duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, and uh, I'm going to probably grab a couple more of those up, kind of build my cash flow, And I'm really looking to start transitioning into small to medium sized multifamily properties.
0: So, what, what kind of what's the unit count for that? Because I think people are all over the place with.
1: It is vague, like you know. St- good point. You know, if I say medium-sized multifamily, what's that mean to you? Probably means something different to me. So, what I mean by that is approximately eighteen to fifty units is kind of the next target uh, size I'm going to start looking at.
0: So you've got the the community bank size because I, I, for me yeah. the problem with that that area is like the lending is kind of no man's land. You don't got the fannie mae debt, but if you're local. And you can pick up those community banks,
1: right? It's a great point, Lane. Great point you bring up. And uh, I've kind of found a sweet spot there with my local lenders. I feel that they've really have very competitive products to offer. And that's where I've financed all of my properties up to this point, mostly through local credit unions.
0: Yeah. And I'll just mention it there. You know, something not to do in networking one-on-one is to like contact Jacob and ask him who his credit union is. Like as much as we like to help each other, that would actually hurt Jacob because now people are going to be hitting that credit union up. And then it just makes look, um, you know, Jacob look bad when some newbie calls the credit union trying to get the same law. You know, some, a lot of things, I mean, a lot of real estate investors, yeah, we like to be their abundant mindset. But certain things are just like, you guys just shouldn't ask that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's hard to figure out what uh, what real estate investors are willing to share. Like, you ask for a recommended resource, like a book or podcast. Absolutely, P- many people are going to give you their you know recommendations. Maybe for a contractor, not so much because that contractor's time is limited and they want to right. or a you broker know, too. Yeah, right. Brokers, contractors. Now, maybe on the flip side. Um, property managers you know everybody wants their property manager to be successful and grow so yeah there's things that people are willing to recommend and other times people hold those cards a little tighter to their chest but i would just say get out there start looking for yourself once you you know are making those connections things will start to come a little easier
0: right right go and get some vendors of your own maybe you haven't even worked with them but you at least interviewed them and then you can say hey jacob I tried these four community banks and this is what I got back from them. Have you heard of them? And then they Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now you're going to have a conversation at that point.
1: Right, very true. Good points.
0: Uh, what is your simple passive cash flow number that you're working on? And I know you mentioned it's $10,000 a month, but you know what's that that higher level cash flow number I think when you're kind of definitely on cruise control?
1: Are you asking beyond that $10,000 a month? Yeah.
0: Or is it, is $10,000 enough?
1: No, $10,000 is not enough. (laughs) As crazy (laughs) as it sounds, you know, I haven't really quantified what's beyond that point lane. Um, you know, I want to achieve this $10,000 a month passive income by the time I'm 30, which is two years from now. So that's kind of been my near term goal. And really I haven't looked beyond that in a quantifiable measure yet. So it's a good question, but one, I don't really quite have the answer to yet.
0: So let's just say, say you had like $20,000 passive a month, what would your kind of your date be like? If you can kind of picture that what kind of project, so what would you be working on would you st- be still picking up properties or
1: yeah absolutely I'm gonna pick up properties at least I think so for as long as I can pick up as many properties as I can but beyond that once I've you know let's say I've got twenty thousand dollars a month in passive cash flow that's two point four million dollars a year if my calculations correctly you know that's more than enough to you know live on I would still continue to invest you know probably buy larger multifamily deals be involved in that capacity but I really want to start giving back as soon as possible. And what I mean by that are I don't need many things myself, Lane, like yourself. I'm a young guy. I don't have any family, children, anything like that. So, you know, I can get by on pretty little. I know you're very familiar with that. You know, you've uh, lived on what you call it, the Raymond Noodle Cheapo Diet. Is that it?
0: Yeah, not anymore. I try to eat
1: <laughs> Yeah. I can't do that anymore either, but you know, still nonetheless, I drive an old pickup. I don't have a flashy lifestyle. I don't, you know, wear expensive watches and jewelry. So I'm a pretty low key guy. So where I'm getting at with all that is it doesn't take much to satisfy my personal needs. So I, once I have that cash flow that you're posing, I would be able to then help other people through organizations that I, that I like. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll kind of say, I wasn't a real big car guy before, but then I got a Mercedes and I like cars. <laughs> and they're not it's not that expensive. I mean, the the lease is like less than five hundred dollars a month. So I mean, you'll get there. And, and the next the next question is kind of what what do you um something that you recently burned your cash on, for time savings and improvement in quality of life, or something that uh. you're 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 gonna do in the very near future, maybe in the next few properties as a celebration.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So every time I buy a property, I like to go on just like a little weekend adventure getaway. It's like a celebration. So anytime I close on a property, I'll go to Belize or California, or maybe one day I need to make my way out to Hawaii and visit you, lane. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of like my little reward for, you know, all the hard work of getting all the way through closing. So, you know, I've taken a couple of those trips recently. I mentioned uh, I've gone to San Diego recently with my dad and a buddy. So Yeah, those are kind of like my little like rewards for that. Now, in terms of money I've spent to help save time, uh, it wouldn't be any kind of material possession. You know, it's not like a new truck or a, you know, new piece of equipment. I do a lot of podcasting, as you mentioned, Lane. So I'm always, you know, hiring out, outsourcing things, outsourcing tasks. So that really helps save my time for better and higher use activities.
0: What about um, going back to the the trip? Are you booking that thing before you get that? property under contract or at what point do you book in that thing or
1: yeah that's a that's an interesting question it kind of depends on where i'm going so oftentimes i'll have an idea of where i want to go and i'll start looking at it once that closing date gets a little sooner because i just want to make sure i'm booking that trip after my closing date right i don't want to uh, book that closing trip before sorry i don't want to book that trip before closing because you know sometimes those closing dates gets extended and i don't want to have to deal with that while i'm you know out of the country or whatever so um i'd say maybe like halfway through usually i've got an idea of where i want to go at least so yeah
0: yeah. a couple week buffer there
1: sure sure (laughs) i was
0: off to japan and then i got this uh email i was standing at the gate and i got this email saying i needed to sign notarize these papers to close 170 and i was like uh uh-oh yeah
1: <laughs> i've correct. had to sell a property before from the slopes of breckenridge colorado so that was interesting in itself and that's when i was like oh man i've gotta i gotta stop doing this i need to you know be in the moment here so yeah
0: yeah cool cool that's something that you recently changed your mind on
1: hmm. flipping properties
0: Did you um is it part of the program or are you just totally you think it's a distraction
1: It is a distraction and I still recognize that, but I've gotten to where I'm a little more interested in building systems to procure properties to rehab and flip. I used to think like, you know, that's just another day job. I don't want another day job, which is true, but I've really gotten interested lately in building systems and processes. So I want to build some more or less like a small house flipping business to then use the income from that business to invest in passive buy and holds.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'll kind of tag along that. I mean, I always said flipping is kind of a more active activity.
1: It absolutely is.
0: As I try and like sell off my on my single family homes, I'm realizing that they're not selling like hotcakes. <laughs> maybe because it's probably my pricing. But what I'm doing is as they come vacant, naturally become vacant, I just fix it up, you know, maybe put in 20, 30 grand. And then that gets it into the re- retail status. And then it goes like in a few days and at a higher price. Sure. And, um, so I'm not really setting out to do the burst strategy, but definitely um, I was like, well, oh, now I realize why these guys like to do this. This night's popping the price. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of risks too. Yeah, it is. Is that something that, you know, is that how you got your first few properties and you kind of fix it up in your own or did you just more about the turnkey route.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about my very first property because it's a pretty fun story and it will probably catch a few eyes. I bought my very first property for $25,000. And many of the listeners out there are thinking $25,000 property, what does that look like? Well, yes, it it one it does exist. It was uh, livable. It was rentable, is rent ready when I bought it. So this was in my home market of Oklahoma. I bought it with traditional financing 20% down. So I paid $5,000 down and some closing costs. I rented that property out for, I believe at the time it was $475. So very small numbers here, but yeah. Um, to answer your question, I bought my first few properties using traditional financing from local lenders.
0: Right. Have you ever thought about doing the, the house hacking thing or,
1: I have so much, Lane. So, you know, like many of us, when we're getting started down this path of real estate investing, looking at bigger pockets and all these podcasts, it's a very popular and well mentioned strategy out there, especially by guys that like bigger pockets. So, bigger pockets, bros. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Well, so I really wanted to buy a fourplex, possibly a triplex or duplex in my home market of Houston, Texas, where I currently live. But the properties where I wanted to live at, I couldn't afford and they wouldn't cash flow or even come close to being economically feasible to buy and house hack. So I was kind of at this crossroads and I've tried this strategy for very long. I've looked at hundreds of properties. And if anybody's out there listing that's familiar with Houston, Texas, I live inner loop. I was looking for properties inside the loop. Well, the properties that are inside the loop are priced at, you know, sometimes upwards of $200,000 per unit. So Sometimes you can find a $400,000 duplex, even upwards of a $900,000 fourplex. And you and I know right off the bat, that those numbers just don't work out very well. Right, You're not going to cash flow, especially living in one unit. So I tried for a very long time to make this house hacking strategy work before I had to finally just give up and say, you know, I'm just going to invest where the numbers make sense and live where I want to live, even though those two places are in different areas.
0: Right. And that's kind of buying properties outside the loop in Houston. Locally. or,
1: or very far outside the loop in, in, Oklahoma. Right. As I was kind of
0: wondering, I mean, a lot of guys, they, they think they're going to do this house hacking strategy, but you're a 28 year old bachelor and I think you're getting a little too old for that. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: definitely like, nearing that term. So <laughs> yeah, it's starting to become,
0: you're becoming a little bit too old for that. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you're out there and you're 28 years old and you want to do that, great. I say it's, it's still a good strategy, especially if you want to live that kind of lifestyle go for it. I think it's a great strategy. Heck, if you're 30, 40, 50, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're willing to do that and make those sacrifices, I think it's a brilliant strategy to get started investing in real estate. I just kind of missed that boat. It really wasn't working for exactly how I wanted it to. So I've given up on that strategy and moved on. But yeah, if you're thinking about it, I'd say at least look into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, it doesn't have any rental properties under their, their belt. And they're kinda of coming in late in the game and they just low on resources. I guess that's just the stuff you gotta do, right? You gotta suck it up. Or if not, you gotta do it like Jacob did and put on a spreadsheet and realize like what's gonna happen <laughs> if you don't.
1: Yeah, right. Simple,
0: simple math. The math will tell you what to do. So in this seller's market, um, you know, think of like a new guy coming in and he doesn't have like significant level of cash flow nor liquidity what do you think they should be investing in? Say they are only able to save like five grand a year and they've got maybe about 10, 20 grand of liquidity savings. What should they be focusing on at this point?
1: Well, okay, so this person doesn't have a lot of money to spend as other, in other words, what you're saying, Lane. So I think you've really got to look for low entry point markets. If you're going to buy a property you want to live in, I think using an FHA loan is a great strategy. And what that allows you to do is put a very low down payment, sometimes as little as three and a half percent down. So you could buy a hundred thousand dollar property for $3,500 down, plus your closing costs and all of that. So, you know, something in that price point, you know, this person could afford. If they're you not house really interested,
0: that. you house that
1: you very well could too. I mean, you could buy a, you know, a duplex you could buy a single family home and rent out a couple of bedrooms to some friends. Yeah. There's lots of ways you could do it, but I think giving that getting that low down payment is a very good, tool to get you started along your real estate investing journey.
0: Tony Robbins identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. The first is the art of fulfillment and the second is science of achievement. So let's kind of tackle these one at a time. What's your secret or hack to the art of fulfillment?
1: Yeah. The art of fulfillment. is so, you know, we kind of touched base on it earlier, but I'm a pretty simple guy. I don't need like a lot of flashy things, nice vehicles. At least at this moment, I haven't opened that can of worms. I'm really trying to hold off on, you know, going out and buying my first Mercedes, but uh, for now, my 2004 GMC Sierra is treating me just fine. So while that's going along, I'm just going to keep it as is. The art of fulfillment for me is what drives me is beyond monetary reward for myself, you know, through passive cash flow, is helping others and giving back to other people. So I've always had a soft spot in my heart for kids in poverty. And I don't really have any kind of like reason or background why I just always soft spot in my heart that is for kids in poverty. So I've always wanted to be that person who writes a big check to a school or, you know, some kind of charitable foundation for these kids. So uh, that's kind of what drives me and fulfills me beyond just personal needs. And in terms of the productivity hack one, well, Tony Robbins is such a great uh, leader and inspirational guy, and he's really pulls good stuff out of people just like this. So I think this is a really good question. I would say just getting after it every single day. And that for me starts in the morning. So lots of people say, yeah, I just wake up in the morning. I've got a morning routine. And I used to think that was kind of like, you know, just a generic answer, but I've been waking up early for several years now, and I just tackle my day on my own terms, get it started, plan it out. I think the biggest fuel to my fire has been writing my goals down every single day. So it always keeps them at the forefront of your mind and setting big goals and chasing it with even bigger actions. So I think for me, that's kind of been my productivity hack.
0: Yes. Yeah, so any, um, any quirky things that you do? Like if somebody follows you around and it's like, but you did
1: not have it. <laughs> uh, let's, let's think about that. Um, any quirky things? I'm sure there's a lot of quirky things that I do that I don't think are quirky. <laughs> Maybe I ought to let somebody else answer this. Right,
0: that you just developed it and it's a part of how you do things, but it's just like, people are like, wait, can you show me how to do that again? Like, what did yeah. you just do? Hmm,
1: man, I can't think of anything to be honest. I don't know.
0: But that's the thing. It's just becomes natural, right?
1: Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe if somebody pitches a crazy idea, I really look into it. Like, you know, people just talk, you know, nonsense or crazy ideas or grand plans and, you know, just sweep it under the rug or let it go by. I'll really research into something like that. So, you know, somebody will say, have you thought about, you know, investing in this crazy new thing or, you know, looking at this, I'm always one to kind of dig a little deeper and, you know, pull back the curtains a little bit.
0: All right. And I think if, If there's one trait that is consistent amongst all real estate investors is that they are questioners. They don't just take it. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. They just don't take it as being, that's what it is. They go and investigate it and they go at night, late at night and Google bang away at the computer board and figure it out and Google it and
1: watch YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very, very true. Yeah.
0: But thanks for coming on, Jacob. Um why don't you give out your URL and your and way to people get a contact with you?
1: Yeah, sure. For more information, resources to connect with me, you can visit www.jacobayers.com That's J-A-C-O-V-A-Y-E-R-S. And I also, as you mentioned, Lane, host a podcast called the real estate way to wealth and freedom. You can find it pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, connect with me on social media. I'm pretty responsive. Love to talk to people about real estate and all things investing. So yeah, thanks so much lane for having me on. It's been fun.
0: Yeah. And um, make sure you guys share the podcast with your friends. I've kind of given up asking you guys to uh, put it up on social media because all you guys are very shameful that you guys are living a shadow shadow life as investors <laughs> and your day job and you don't want your coworkers to see but uh if you got a buddy in, at your work um shoot him an email say hey these are um here's some good contents you know the rent to value ratio i think that's a good starter yeah absolutely for, for do what lane said <laughs> yeah <laughs> because um at the end of the probably in five to ten years you're going to probably be sitting in a place where you're may not be working and you're going to have someone to have uh the midday lunch with and i've got guys like jacob that i can probably call when i'm bored in the middle of the day not doing anything <laughs> um, just probably- kicking
1: our feet up and drinking mojitos on the beach right
0: right 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 <laughs> maybe house hacking will be so bored at that point just to have people around
1: us there you go <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right jacob well thanks for coming on man
1: have hey lane thanks so much it's been fun take care bye